welcome to the Fight Wing Podcast, episode 65! Welcome, 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 welcome to the new episode. It is now the early hours of the 16th of January, 2022. As many of you may know from the internet or word of mouth, there's a big-ass demonstration coming up on the 23rd, January 23rd, in Washington, D.C., starting at the Washington Memorial, and people are going to march on over and rally at uh, the Lincoln Memorial. So, due to this, I have dug up from the Fight Wing Podcast archives a uh, three-part series that I did in 2019 uh, called Activism 101. And for those of you who might be new to this or maybe just rusty and haven't done any type of activism in the modern day, maybe you did a long time ago, something, whatever, a little brush up on some techniques about uh, propaganda to get people to your event talking about wheat pasting the flyers and also you can download the flyer for this event at fightwing.com I have printable Uh, it'll come out good in black and white if you need to print it cheaply and there is a version that has four to a page so you can print smaller ones to get more of them out and uh, you can print four at a time cut them out so have a listen to these three segments I also have some other updates and politics and stuff we're going to talk about after that but first uh, listen to these three segments I'm going to give you a little bit of information Get you ready for the big, 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 big rally. This is Defeat the Mandates. So you're going to go to the website, defeatthemandatesdc.com, or else, of course, go to fightwing.com. Lots of groups, people, religions, races, belief systems, political positions are going to be uniting for this truly populist event on Sunday the 23rd of January 2022 that's coming up that's that's coming up quick guys so you ready I know you've heard about it but are you ready to do this now the last time we said fight wing is going to be in DC for something was January 6th so those people just went wild so we'll see uh Hopefully a whole bunch of people won't get arrested this time. It should be a peaceful demonstration against which is a very not peaceful government. Uh, We'll see how that all works out. But of course you do have to be prepared for anything that might happen there. So check out these segments. Enjoy. Learn. Be there the 23rd.
was thinking about doing a little informational, uh, I guess, series on this podcast, and that is going to be focused on offline activism. I feel like a lot of the people who have just gotten politically active, um, like, say, since the Trump campaign, or at the very minimum within the last, you know, few years of the internet culture, I feel like a lot of them are kind of overlooking a lot of the old school techniques. And granted, yeah, a lot of them were indeed created and honed uh, by the left. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they didn't work. I mean, as you see, they have a pretty fucking dedicated base. And after all, that's a lot of what activism is about, is getting people dedicated to your idea, showing them why they should support it. Now, of course, the way that they do it, they're, everything they're promoting is lies, but uh, in any case, they got people to believe it, and that, that was the end goal. So that's considered a success. Um, first thing I want to talk about is the elephants in the room and that everybody wants to talk about with Fight Wing is violence. There's different types of violence. So when people say, oh, well, violence is not part of activism, well, they're either being ignorant or disingenuous because really, uh, yeah, it, it, it is a part of it, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's always good. It doesn't mean that it's always the right thing to do, but there are instances where it is. So there's a difference between reactionary violence and revolutionary violence. What the other side does is revolutionary violence. They essentially uh, are the aggressors. Okay. Revolutionary violence is when you're going to throw the Molotov or or punch a Nazi, or do something where you go out against somebody and you're going to do, you're going to take the first swing. Uh, That's usually not a good idea. It almost always leads to bigger violence spreading, and... In a civilized society, when you start doing that, that just means you're just going to get shut down by the police or whatever authorities that be. Uh, Haymarket would be a good example. Revolutionary violence failing. Um, Reactionary violence, however, is sometimes useful. So if somebody is coming in a large group to fight you, because they think you're a fascist or a Nazi or something. And uh, they're going to hurt you, and you know this. The natural reaction will be to defend yourself. So reactionary violence could also be called defensive violence. But there's a little bit of a gray area when you say defense, because sometimes people take defense to mean that the other person took the first swing for sure. In this case, it would be in the anticipation of a swing, you did a preemptive strike. So reactionary violence could consider preemptive strikes or uh, 
literal self-defense. And like you definitely saw in New York when the uh, Proud Boys were going at it with Antifa, um, reactionary violence will show the other side that you're not fucking around, you're not playing. Like you're, we're not going to be Martin Luther King where we're going to just come and be peaceful and let you beat on us or something uh, to make a point because our message isn't peace. Our message is really, essentially, justice and law and order. So that may bring peace, but it would be a true peace, where if peace is your primary goal, you're likely to end up in situations with a false peace, where you're forcing people to be quiet and get along, uh, but there's really a revolution stirring beneath... uh, the surface. So, in short, in the right, reactionary violence is not only useful, it's essential. Um, I don't think that peaceful protest in the sense that you do sit-ins and people come and try and hit you with things and you don't do anything, that just makes your side look like a bunch of pussies and pushovers and people are going to essentially have their way with you and you're never going to get anything accomplished. However, say doing property damage against something that is like a place that has, for example, proven to be like threatening you, say Antifa is coming to beat you up and they are on the way right now. They just got out of their car and you see their, them get out before this happens, maybe smashing their window and distracting them for a minute from beating your ass in a group might be a good idea you know oh what was that some glass broke what happened to my car you know but of course that in that situation you had to do something discreet so you don't get beat up and caught for doing that but realistically the point is violence is for when you're in danger and it's not really uh, useful politically to go and take the first swing. I think we saw that in Christchurch, whatever that guy's message was, um, his eco-fascist great replacement message just made it seem like people who agree with him are nutty assholes and need to be shut down. So, um, think about violence. Think about violence before you use it and don't act like a left winger where you want to just go out and punch a Nazi. I mean, if we're going to get rid of communists, we have to be very organized with that. It's not just a a lone wolf thing. I mean, you know, helicopters are expensive. Welcome to the Fight Wing Workshops podcast on this show you will learn things and hopefully you'll be able to use these things that you learn so today uh, we're going to be talking about print propaganda you get a message you want to get it out there you don't necessarily want it connected to you on the internet or it needs to reach local people more than just the general public on the web right How do you get this message out there? Well, 
one way is printed propaganda like flyers, posters, and posting them up publicly. Now, depending on where you live, there are different areas where they allow uh, this type of thing to go on, where they allow posters to be put up, you know, ads and things like that. Or sometimes it's not technically allowed, but it's become like a, you know, a cultural norm that a certain spot everybody puts their flyers at, whatever. So you'd have to find where that spot is in your city, but definitely wherever there's lots of flyers that people are going to see and a lot of people to see them, that's where you want to put them. The best way to post printed propaganda is wheat pasting. So what is wheat pasting? Sounds simple enough. It's paste made out of wheat, right? Um, a lot of people may not know what this is. So what wheat paste is, is essentially it's a homemade glue that you would use to post your printed flyers um, that are on presumably on Xerox paper or whatever. Um, and it's fairly weather resistant compared to, you know, just nailing up a piece of paper. For it to be effectively water resistant, um, do remember to wheat paste both sides of uh, the paper. So what is the wheat paste? This glue is essentially made out of flour and water. Now you can use white flour or you can use whole grain flour. Um, either way it has to be wheat flour. So sorry if you're gluten free this is not a recipe for you. Um, you might be able to do this with rice flour. I don't guarantee that it will stick as well, but um, there is kind of a, a glutinous substance that's created when you mix uh, rice flour with water. So if you want to experiment with that, go right ahead and let me know your results, but other than uh, regular wheat flour. Honestly, um, I don't know of any other type of material that's going to create that same type of stickiness except for maybe rice flour. So to make wheat paste or rice paste, uh, you're going to mix two parts of the white or whole grain wheat flour with three parts water. And if you are like one of these organic people that doesn't have white flour in their house or doesn't want to purchase that you know for whatever reason um, just be aware that using the whole grain flour will create like a, a brownish hue and it won't look uh, as as white as it would have if you had used regular uh, white flour so you're going to want to stir out any lumps and you're going to want to heat this mixture in a saucepan um, bring it to a boil. You kind of want to keep stirring it while you're doing this or else it could make these gross sticky lumps. Um, and, and it's going to get thicker. So as it gets thicker 
you start to add a little bit more water and then continue cooking it on a low heat for about maybe half an hour um, stirring it constantly so you don't get any sticky burned spots um, now you don't have to really do it for that long but this is the ideal uh, if you don't have time for this at least bring it to a boil and let it um, thicken like one time um, but you really do want to let it cook on the low heat for about a half an hour um, just to let it create more gluten because uh, the gluten is what's going to make it sticky now you can put it like in a bucket easiest thing really is like one of those paint buckets like a plastic paint bucket um, because you're going to want to get like a paint roller uh, a fresh one preferably or you can wash out one but just make sure it doesn't have any other like weird stuff stuck in it because whatever's stuck on the roller is going to get all over your art all over your propaganda posters so what you want to do is uh, get the cleanest roller brush you know like a foam brush roller for paint um, and you put this wheat paste in the bucket bring it with you dip the roller into the wheat paste slap it all over the wall slather give it a good slather in the whole area that you want to cover your stuff with slap all your propaganda up there and then put another layer over the top of it to seal it like a, it'll, it'll dry like a shiny shellac on the outside of it and this is a good way to put up like tons of posters at once especially if you're going like a high traffic area where oh these antifa people they might try and tear down a, a flyer if i put one up don't put one up put 50 up get that whole wall slathered and just cover it and wheat paste that shit down and it will be there for some time and it's very difficult to pull off people will be breaking their nails trying to scrape it off of, of most surfaces and of course people won't be able to get all of them off they'll just be able to pull you know a couple at a time whatever so it's a really great way get your message out there especially in cities um, obviously if you're in a rural area wheat pasting is not going to be the most useful form of activism for you okay but if you're uh, in an area where there's a propaganda war going on in the city especially definitely want to be able to um, utilize wheat pasting okay and the second half of this would be so what exactly are you wheat pasting up there like what is the content you're gonna decide the content on your own of course um, we do have plenty of spicy things that you can print out and post and wheat paste up if you go um, to the fight wing blog if you go to blog.fightwing.com um, there's a little search area there and you can search for street ops one word together street ops like operations or when it's all together it kind of looks like street tops uh, but search that 
in the vlog and you will find a plethora of um, printable items uh, that are set to do to it like a full standard um, eight and a half by eleven sheet of paper. Now when you go to your local uh, FedEx Kinko's Office Max whatever um, Office Depot is that what it's called now? Uh, if you go to those places to print out your stuff I would recommend using the self-serve because if you have some sort of weird antifa type person working behind the counter they may actually refuse your service or get an attitude write your information down and give it to their buddies whatever the point is you want to stay as private as possible so if you have a USB like a thumb drive that you can bring in uh, to make your copies that's great or if you have a printer at home and you just want to print out one copy and then go and make tons of uh, Xerox copies because obviously printing Xerox is going to be cheaper than using your printer ink at home so you can print out your one master copy, put that on the glass, make as many copies as you need to. When you're doing something that's going to be outside and it's going to be repasted, you want it to be a little bit more high contrast than you normally would have it, like uh, style-wise, I guess. You want it to be able to be seen through that thin shellac layer that's going to be on the outside of it. So you want to have like bold lettering, bold black. Um, you obviously you want to have like white or yellow paper something that's going to contrast with the black fairly well if you have some bright color paper you can do that too hey that's a little more expensive but if you've got the funds to do that go right ahead um, but essentially you just definitely want bold things that people can see from standing a few feet away if you print it out at home Stick it on your wall, pin it up on your wall, and walk backwards and say, can I still read this from far away, or does it just look cool up close? You really want to be able to have something that people can read without having to walk right up to it. Okay, so if you do experiment with the rice, send a message and let me know how that worked out. So the next activism 101 bit uh, is about what they used to call phone tree. Um, but now it could also be some sort of internet thing, you know, it could be um, a contact tree. We'll just call it a contact tree. And that means if you're on the street and you're doing some sort of uh, event or protest, some sort of action, and let's say um, it's 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 a hostile situation. Like when uh, I was speaking at the March Against Sharia, we had a couple different groups meeting up there. Uh, we had some Proud Boys. We had um, me representing Fight Wing. We had some other. Uh, older people that were like some boomers from Act for America's Facebook page and then we had our regular MAGA crew who uh, we, we call our just our MAGA fam uh, you know our MAGA 3x Chicago crew uh, some of which overlap with those other groups 
And then we had some random people like some, you know, like ex-Muslims and stuff who came to stand in solidarity. And we all uh, were a little bit disorganized at first because these were all groups that didn't know each other. So what I did was I organized uh, a phone tree or a contact tree. And that means each person uh, that is, you know, a leader or something will be responsible for their little group. And that person will be the contact. And what each other contact or head of group person will have the contact information of all those other people, whether they're doing it across text, whether they're calling on a cell phone, using an Instagram messenger or Facebook, whatever, they have those people's contact information. So we can be live on the ground information in real time. Or I can say, Antifa's coming around the corner at this. Everybody else go this way and text all of them at once and say something and they can all talk to their respective groups. Um, If you don't have this, it's dangerous. You need to do this. You need to delegate leadership positions when you're organizing any type of protest, especially on the right wing, because the left are violent and they will attack you and try to hurt you for real, possibly kill you. So you need to be on your feet and you need to be in contact with the other people who are meeting up for your protest. If you are a newbie and you're going and you don't know anyone, you're going alone, always look for those small groups. You can tell who is leading and just go who to the person who looks like they're leading and say, hey, I'm here for the Trump rally, for the pro-life rally. What side of the street are we standing on? Where do we go? And when you introduce yourself like that, expect to be asked for your contact information so that those people can keep in contact with and direct you as well. Okay. So that's the contact tree. Do it. This vaccine mandate, all these mandates, this whole virus tyranny stuff, this really could be what finally unites all the different groups. You know, something that black people, white people, Christians, Muslims, Jews, atheists, gay, straight, whatever. Something that people from all of those groups can kind of agree on is that the government shouldn't be forcing you to inject anything in your body if you don't want to. You know, um, it's amazing that we've come to this point. I mean, I can't say that those who some once called conspiracy theorists, I mean, we did kind of tell you so. Everybody's like, I can't wait for there to be a vaccine for these lockdowns to end. I said, I hope they never come up with a vaccine because they're going to try and force everyone to take it. And people say, oh, they can't do that. That's crazy. They wouldn't do that. Why would... 
people will just take it because they want to. If there's a vaccine available, why would they still have a lockdown? And yet, lockdowns have gotten even more extreme to where you have basically concentration camps of the unvaccinated or COVID positive or COVID non-compliant, whatever. Uh, in Australia, China, they're talking about doing it um, in Canada, Germany, some other places. It's, you know, you got the German police having their dogs bite through people's legs for non-compliance, for not showing papers or not wearing a mask. I mean, we're dealing with some horrific shit here, people. These are echoes of Nazi Germany. Echoes of of communist uh, Russia, echoes of the Stasi. Um, a lot of bad authoritarian shit been going on. And um, no matter what type of human you are, if you're a human and you are not brainwashed, you're at least by now, if you haven't already predicted all this, it, you're at least by now starting to see that there's something going on that is a severe overreach of government power. I mean, they're just getting way too into people's business. And hopefully a lot of people understand the type of precedent that allowing this type of stuff to go through would set. And a lot of people were saying, well, why are you guys still doing this January 23rd thing? Uh, the Supreme Court pretty much shut down a lot of the mandates, except for, you know, healthcare workers. Well, okay. Healthcare workers are actually people, first off. Number one, they set the standard when we're talking about something to do with health. So they have, most of them, been exposed to COVID-19 and would have natural immunity, stronger than a vaccine would provide. And yet they're being required to get vaccinated. That's still not fair, people. And then also there will be those gray areas of people who work with health care and they'll say, well, you're technically not a health care worker, but since you, uh, you know, your company works with a hospital, your company is going to have to get vaccinated as well. And then so on and so forth. It just spreads the tyranny. And we cannot let any of this stand. It's not acceptable. It's not okay. No. Hell no. And furthermore, beyond Biden's federal mandate issue, there are many local, state, and city jurisdictions that are trying to pull this bullshit. We want this to not be a thing anywhere, okay? I mean, especially in America. This is about America. 
Uh, obviously, you know, we feel bad for people that have that going on in other countries. But we have to take care of home first. And this is not going to fly in America. All right? We are supposed to be the bastion of freedom and all that. So we can't let this just go. Americans kind of, you know, take a lot of bullshit. We, they, they, they tax us where they shouldn't, you know. They, they kind of cuck for a lot. I think this is the last straw that uh, broke the cucking camel's back, though, okay? BNDC, January 23. Fight for your right to be free.
we know that they have a full-scale fake White House and that the real White House has apparently had some barriers built around it. Maybe that's in preparation for January 23rd, maybe not. But with that in mind, I think it would be a nice refresher to listen to the following speech. Give me liberty or give me death. Speech delivered by Patrick Henry, March 23, 1775. No man thinks more highly than I do of the patriotism, as well as abilities, of the very worthy gentleman who has just addressed the house. But different men often see the same subject in different lights. And therefore, I hope it will not be thought disrespectful to those gentlemen if, entertaining as I do, opinions of a character very opposite to theirs, I shall speak forth my sentiments freely and without reserve. This is no time for ceremony. The questing before the house is one of awful moment to this country. For my own part, I consider it as nothing less than a question of freedom or slavery. And in proportion to the magnitude of the subject ought to be the freedom of the debate. It is only in this way that we can hope to arrive at truth and fulfill the great responsibility which we hold to God and our country. Should I keep back my opinions at such a time through fear of giving offense? I should consider myself as guilty of treason toward my country and of an act of disloyalty toward the majesty of heaven, which I revere above all earthly kings. Mr. President, it is natural to man to indulge in the illusions of hope. We are apt to shut our eyes against a painful truth and listen to the song of that siren till she transforms us into beasts. Is this the part of wise men engaged in a great and arduous struggle for liberty? Are we disposed to be of the number of those who having eyes see not and having ears hear not, the things which so nearly concern their temporal salvation? For my part, whatever anguish of spirit it may cost, I am willing to know the whole truth, to know the worst, and to provide for it. I have but one lamp by which my feet are guided, and that is the lamp of experience. I know of no way of judging of the future but by the past, and judging by the past, I wish to know what there has been in the conduct of the British ministry for the last ten years to justify those hopes with which gentlemen have been pleased to solace themselves and the house. Is it that insidious smile with which our petition has been lately received? Oh, trust it not, sir. It will prove a snare to your feet. Suffer not yourselves to be betrayed with a kiss. Ask yourselves how this gracious reception of our petition comports with those warlike preparations which cover our waters and darken our land. Are fleets and armies necessary to a work of love and reconciliation? Have we shown ourselves so unwilling to be reconciled that force must be called in to win back our love? Let us not deceive ourselves, sir. These are the implements of war and subjugation, the last arguments to which kings resort. I ask, gentlemen, sir, what means this martial array? If its purpose be not to force us into submission... Can gentlemen assign any other possible motive for it? Has Great Britain any enemy in this quarter of the world to call for all this accumulation of navies and armies? No, sir, she has none. They are meant for us. They can be meant for no other. They are sent over to bind and rivet upon us those chains which the British ministry have been so long forging. And what have we to oppose them? Shall we try argument? Sir, we've been trying that for the last ten years. Have we anything new to offer upon the subject? 
nothing. We have held the subject up in every light of which it is capable, but it has all been in vain. Shall we resort to entreaty and humble supplication? What terms shall we find which have not been already exhausted? Let us not, I beseech you, sir, deceive ourselves. Sir, we have done everything that could be done to avert the storm which is now coming. We have petitioned, we have remonstrated, we have supplicated, we have prostrated ourselves before the throne, and have implored its interposition to arrest the tyrannical hands of the ministry and parliament. Our positions have been slighted. Our remonstrances have produced additional violence and insult. Our supplications have been disregarded. And we have been spurned with contempt from the foot of the throne. In vain, after these things, may we indulge the fond hope of peace and reconciliation. There is no longer any room for hope. If we wish to be free, if we mean to preserve inviolate those inestimable privileges for which we have been so long contending, if we mean not basely to abandon the noble struggle in which we have been so long engaged, and which we have pledged ourselves never to abandon until the glorious object of our contest shall be obtained, we must fight. I repeat it, sir. We must fight. An appeal to arms and to the God of hosts is all that is left us. They tell us, sir, that we are weak, unable to cope with so formidable an adversary. But when shall we be stronger? Will it be the next week or the next year? Will it be when we are totally disarmed and when a British guard shall be stationed in every house? Shall we gather strength by irresolution and inaction? Shall we acquire the means of effectual resistance by lying supinely on our backs and hugging the delusive phantom of hope until our enemies shall have bound us hand and foot? Sir, we are not weak if we make a proper use of those means which the God of nature hath placed in our power. The millions of people, armed in the holy cause of liberty, and in such a country as that which we possess, are invincible by any force which our enemy can send against us. Besides, sir, we shall not fight our battles alone. There is a just God who presides over the destinies of nations, and who will raise up friends to fight our battles for us. The battle, sir, is not to the strong alone. It is to the vigilant, the active, the brave. Besides, sir, we have no election. If we were base enough to desire it, it is now too late to retire from the contest. There is no retreat but in submission and slavery. Our chains are forged. Their clanking may be heard on the plains of Boston. The war is inevitable, and let it come. I repeat, sir, let it come. It is in vain, sir, to extenuate the matter. Gentlemen may cry, peace, peace, but there is no peace. The war is actually begun. The next gale that sweeps from the north will bring to our ears the clash of resounding arms. Our brethren are already in the field. Why stand we here idle? What is it that gentlemen wish? What would they have? Is life so dear, or peace so sweet, as to be purchased at the price of chains and slavery? Forbid it, almighty God. I know not what course others may take. But as for me, give me liberty or give me death. We were summer 200 years ago. Tyrants said obey us and we said no. Fuck you. We're gonna be free. You'll never take away our liberty.
Italian song, 1776. Uh, obviously, it's about liberty and American freedom. Uh, today is Independence Day, 4th of July, and uh, that's why I chose today to record this one. Uh, and it basically, the message of this one is, don't make us do it again. <laughs> 